Hello, you're listening to After the Homily with Father Daniel Scheidt. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Stroud. How many times have you had questions after the homily? How often have you wished that Father had spoken on this topic or that topic? Wouldn't it be great to sit down with your priest and just talk about those things that didn't quite make it in the homily? Well, this is the podcast for you. We'll talk about topics ranging from literature to politics, from church teaching to church architecture. If it's relevant to Catholics, to their daily lives and their journey to heaven, it's on our agenda. And it doesn't matter if you're a every Sunday or a Christmas and Easter or a I can't remember the last time I went to Mass Catholic. We're here for you. Father Daniel Scheid is the pastor at St. Vincent de Paul Catholic Church in Fort Wayne, Indiana, in the Diocese of Fort Wayne in South Bend. Well, greetings, Father Dan. Hello, Chris. Yeah, it's nice to be back with you. T- today is a special day, as every day is, I suppose. Of We're beginning a series, a series of six discussions and we're going to base those discussions on uh, a book that we're each holding in our hand. The difference is your copy versus mine. You've read it and I have not. Yes, by design. <laughs> I'm going to read it as we go, as I hope listeners will. It's The Shattering of Loneliness on Christian Remembrance by Eric Varden. And this is going to be an exciting journey. It's a Lenten journey. And we've spoken before about how do we prepare for a good Lent? How do we make this Lent the Lent that we said last year's Lent would be, and maybe we fell short. So how do we prepare our hearts and our homes and our families to make a good Lent? And this book, The Shattering of Loneliness, is is going to get us there. That's the hope. How did you choose this book? Eric Varden is a Cistercian monk who is actually younger than I am. And at a certain point, a number of years ago, Pope Francis named him a bishop, the Bishop of Trondheim in Norway. He's Oxford educated, and that also uh, implies that he is no stranger to the world of teaching and learning. And when he was made a bishop, he really didn't leave behind the, the monastic life that formed him and the, the intellectual life that also shaped him. And so I, th- I find him to be one of the most profound and deeply engaging Christian witnesses for our time. And the fact that he's really not recognized, for example, in the Twitter sphere, there's a reason for that. He doesn't do Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. And he's not really a talking head on radio shows or, or television. He does have a website called coramfratribus.com, C-O-R-A-M, that is the word for heart, and fratribus is the word for brother, F-R-A-T-R-I-B-U-S. And you can find his regular blog posts. They're very, very uh, short, uh, very, very uh, deep and engaging. And he posts those every few days or so. 
But anyway, uh, this book that he has written, The Shattering of Loneliness on Christian Remembrance, is structured around six commands that come to us from the Lord in sacred scripture to remember. And maybe so, before listeners are afraid, it's a, it's a paperback. It, it's 170 pages. This yes. Is not, this is not a tome. It's meant, it's meant to be very manageable. And in a certain sense, each chapter is very bite-sized. Mm. So if, if you were to get the book, this would mean an investment of maybe 20, 25 pages mm. a week of a, of a small book. That should be doable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and we're going to talk about an invitation of sorts, right? The, the theme really is inviting and it's a, it's a noisy time in the world, probably soon to be noisier with American presidential politics just heating up. And there's going to be so many voices that would love to get inside our heads, but we're going to talk about maybe inviting something a little better in. Yes. Part of the discipline of Lent is actually the discipline of a renewed focus to realize that I look at my life and I see it drawn in all sorts of different directions, feel myself fragmented. And the, the first uh, chapter of Varden's book recalls us to the command in the first chapter of the Bible, remember you are dust. And as Bishop Varden presents that command in Genesis, and by the way, we, we hear that on Ash Wednesday as, as part of the liturgy. It's one of the two options of the words that are said at the application of the ashes. Remember that you are dust and unto dust you shall return. The other option, uh, repent and believe in the good news. Those are actually two sides of the same divine coin. So the, this first meditation, first chapter, this first podcast will revolve around entering into this, this primordial command that God addresses to us. Remember that you are dust. And it's a way of putting into perspective any events of uh, the world that are engaging our attention, that are the, the dramas of the moment or the, of the month or the recent year or years. The command of God, remember that you are dust and unto dust you shall return. It's an invitation to think deeper all the way back to our origin, our origin in the good earth and of course, in the divine intentionality regarding that earth. And then also to look beyond whatever current uh, problems or dramas to, to our return to the earth and, and what God wishes to accomplish in, in that return, ultimately the resurrection and, and the, the transformed life of, of eternity that comes to meet us. So the, the, the pilgrimage of, of Lent uh, begins with this earthly recognition, but its, its goal is really the paradise that Christ has opened for us in, in the resurrection in the season of Easter. You know, I mean, the pilgrimage on Ash Wednesday from the pew in which you're seated to the altar, I always found that 
very humbling, even more so just listening to you describe that on the way for the Eucharist. It's more, it's more exciting. It's more positive. And yet at Ash Wednesday, it's this reminder that's kind of humbling that, you know, this is where you started and you're going to go back there. It's a bizarre contrast. Yes. And as Varden points out in his book, God's observation of this truth, his invitation for us to enter it, actually has nothing to do about our humiliation. So when we ask for the gift of humility, the gift of, in a sense, being related to the humus, that we know the, that's the very word for dirt, soil, the deeper meaning has to do with groundedness. So remember that you are dust, in a sense, is, is the invitation to enter into our, our first and most solid and simple groundedness. And, and it's actually not just um, naked dirt. It's actually closer to soil. And Varden points out that one of the early church fathers origin of Alexandria notes in his meditation on the book of Genesis that all of the other things that God creates that are described in the book of Genesis just come to be by God's spoken word. You know, let there be light, uh, let there be a dome in the sky. Um, but it's only man, uh, male and female, that God also uses his hands, so to speak. God reaches into the ground with the divine intentionality and raises through all of the layers, the mineral, the vegetable, the animal. God raises a being uh, from the earth who is able uh, to enter a real mutual relationship with uh, his or her creator. And, and to rediscover that primordial astonishment of Adam at the outset of Lent is, is just vitally important. Because I think left to ourselves, we think of Lent as my 40-day self-improvement program, or uh, this is my 40-day detox from my bad habits and I'm also going to pick up some good ones and me, 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 me. Um, the command, remember that you are dust, is, is actually far more contemplative first before it's some type of activism on, on our part. Now, the response that we, we give to the divine initiative, of course, is going to involve uh, embodied action. But but it's actually not first that. It's a return to the contemplative gaze of being seen by God and, and of realizing that our whole existence has been brought into being um, from that relationship for that relationship. And then on the basis of that, the fact that our life is held in God's hands, um, the hands that fashioned us, the hands that are refashioning us. Um, within that security, 
how can I receive my life anew as a gift? Yeah, that's beautiful. And, and I, I, as I hear you say that, I'm thinking, um, you know, our life is, is what happens in the middle of the bookends. That's true. Dust on the one end and then dust again. It's true. On the other end, we started in his hands and we're going to finish in his hands. And then what defines us is what we do in the middle. Yes. In fact, just this past weekend, a parishioner married for decades and decades and decades. She lost her husband this past week. And when she narrated how he died, she described how he literally died in her arms. Mm. So, you know, no couple on their wedding day is able to calculate in advance the specificities of what for better or for worse, richer for poor in sickness and in health for as long as we both shall live looks like. But the fact that the final embrace, the, the moment of death was actually held in the other person's arms, that, that truth, which is fundamentally true of every human life at its passing. Like we are brought into existence by the intention of God. We're held in existence by the divine intentionality. And what does Jesus say on the cross? Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. So rather than being spooked by death or wanting uh, to pretend that it isn't real, it's not coming for mm. me. Um, or it's to be avoided at all costs. Yeah. Uh, in a sense, you know, in this first week of Lent, in entering into the command, remember that you are dust, it's the remembrance that the Lord himself takes responsibility for our final moment. He, he holds us even in that moment. And in, and in a sense, he gives us the grace of working backward from that, where my life needs to remember. You know, even that word remembering in English, you know, you think of the members of the body. You know, if, if we're meant to be one in Christ, allowing the Lord to um, remember us, to reconnect the scattered fragmented parts of our life, uh, our individual lives, but also the, the work of remembering, of, of reestablishing our, our understanding of the interconnectedness of, of our life with other people's lives, with, with the, the whole cosmos uh, and the life to come. That, that's the starting point of Lent. It's, it's, it's not the holy diet. It's not the... Um, Oh, any other thing we could imagine, uh, we're, we're thinking too small. And, and I, I should point out that there isn't a lot of technical jargon in this book, mm. The Shattering of Loneliness, but there are some really neat words that Varden highlights in the original and just makes things light up. So the, the, the one in this chapter that leaps off the page is the Hebrew word for ground is Adama. So when a, when a Hebrew speaking person hears this account of the creation 
of, of the human person. Adam is taken from the Adama. Adam is taken from the ground, which also, in a sense, uh, recontextualizes Eve being taken from the side of, of Adam and, and that being a kind of ecstasy where Adam only realizes himself in this sincere gift of himself to this gift that he's received in his wife. Now, Bishop Varden doesn't go into that per se in the book. John Paul II does, but it, it all starts with the recovery of, of the memory of our groundedness, mm -hmm. that the astonishment that we've been brought into existence from this earth, we live and move and have our being as, as these creatures who are able to survey the whole and, and to have a relationship with the one who made us. And, you know, thinking back to your, your example of the death and in some ways Lent and Easter, it's, it's a bit death focused Yes, <laughs> and overcoming death, but, but that's impossible without focusing on death. But to a degree or another, as a, as a priest, you're an observer of death. Yes. I'm sure in your priesthood that you've seen many different kinds of death and different circumstances. I think it was Mother Teresa that used to wish people they would have, she would pray that they had a good death. But what have you seen in your years at the moment of death that's different for those who are prepared, maybe for lack of a better term, those who understand that it's dust they're returning to? I guess in a general way, I, I never cease to be amazed and overwhelmed at how profundity coincides with utter ordinariness. Just being invited into people's homes as, as somebody is dying or even after they've already died. And I remember one very striking situation in which the person died in the, the upstairs bedroom and, and literally just kind of fell over and was, was almost blocking the door. <laughs> and, and the wife was, um, was deeply traumatized and the children, the older children hadn't yet seen their dad. And just to be the one who led the family members into the room and, you know, I kind of arranged a little covering over the body of their dad. And then we just knelt, just knelt around this, the mortal frame of the one who conceived these children. And it was just utterly beautiful. And, and we realized for as, in a sense, bizarre as it was, you know, here we are in this home, in this situation, the intersection of the profound with the ordinary, death revealed itself as not more than, than prayer can enter. In any case, the book, uh, The Shattering of Loneliness, begins in the simplest way by Varden recounting 
a memory of his childhood that Im- imprinted itself on him. There was a a man in Varden's village uh, who, when Varden was a child, was was quite quite advanced in years. He was a farmer, and it was summertime in the harvest, and the the old farmer had taken his shirt off and was working, and and Eric Varden noticed on his back these horrific scars. And they were the wounds from him being tortured in one of the the German-run camps Mm. during World War II. And the juxtaposition in the child's mind between the, the simplicity of this farmer just going about his business with the world, like the next harvest, like as that coincided with this apocalyptic vision of human beings torturing mm. and trying to annihilate each other, it it formed for him the beginning of his thinking about what it is to be human, the beginning of his thinking about the meaning of life, and, and even the the beginning of his vocation to be a monk and eventually a priest. So in a, in a sense, what, what I do, what, what Bishop Varden does is, is simply shepherd people along the way of this intersection of, of the profound and the ordinary that passes by way of this remembrance. Remember, remember that you are dust and unto dust you shall return. Yeah, I love that image of the intersection of the profound and the ordinary. Yeah. And, you know, Varden as a child, as he describes uh, in the introduction to the book, just seeing that one farmer's back, he dove into the history of of World War II and just all of the the barbarity and the, the heroism and, and the figures who just by force of necessity had to kind of grapple with these questions, think it through, live it through. And, and Varden just describes how at a certain moment, some of these people in these impossible situations refused to be mastered by evil. Mm. They refused to uh, curse their life, curse other people's lives, curse God. And, and he studied that. And then that, that's the gateway that he found to entering biblical revelation, like just <laughs> entering into the, the promises of God. In fact, the, the first words of the book our question, must I have personal experience of something to say in truth that I remember it? The question has exercised me all my life. And by that, he means, how can I look at the suffering of somebody like this farmer? And even though I wasn't there in World War II when he was being tortured, 
how am I so drawn into the, the meaning of life, the suffering of this world, the, the question of what, what can save us, if not through passing by way of the experience of other people. And I guess, Chris, my, you know, as, as a pastor, I'm, I'm constantly asking how we at this moment in history can cease to be shepherded by our gadgets and the people who've invented and control these gadgets. And how can we actually allow ourselves to be re-led by God through these deep experiences of, of what it is to be human. And that, that's the ultimate goal of, of this series. And, and just to give you a, a, a visual today, I, I read about a, a young man, I think he was 17, who committed suicide because he took photos of himself in compromising positions. And he thought he was sending those to a girl his own age, when in fact he was sending them to an internet extortionist who blackmailed him uh, for money, said he was going to be exposed for what he did. And then even after this young man committed suicide, the, the extortionist, the, 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 the internet person infected by evil is, is tormenting other members of the family, asking them for money uh, or else they're going to reveal the pictures. That, that for me is emblematic of the demonic challenge that is confronting us now. In other words, will I continue to consent to my interiority being entered, violated, held hostage by strangers who do not have my best interests at heart, even to the point of getting me to despair, to, to take my own life, mm. to be persuaded that nobody understands me, nobody loves me, nobody can come to my rescue, or do I remember that I am dust, to dust I shall return, that's the context, but that it's the Lord who brought me into existence from that dust. It's the Lord who's going to raise that dust to glory. And oh, by the way, the Lord has given me a whole network of people who are meant to accompany me, real people who, who love me, who cherish me, so that I, I don't have to live my life as if I'm being surrounded by and controlled by invisible demonic strangers. And we've never at a time in human history been surrounded by more information. Correct. But less truth. Yes. And, and no, that, I mean, human beings have always been surrounded by, surrounded by danger. So <laughs> there's no doubt about that. But it, it's the anonymity of it all at this point that just creates this endless hall of mirrors. And when you think of, you know, what a cell phone is, it's essentially... Uh, the minerals of the earth reflecting our desires back at us. And, and, and we can get hypnotized by that and also held hostage by it. So the invitation to read a book together, to talk about it, 
um, to reflect on our life together through it. It's a very monastic practice. So in the monastery, there's all this silence, so lots of opportunity for recollection, but it's not emptiness. So the, the monastery is filled, it's, it's punctuated periodically by, by reading. So at, at meals, uh, oftentimes the monks are read to. They'll read a book together, they'll be read to, in addition, you know, as a compliment to their praying of the Psalms multiple times a day in choir in the church. So this book is, is essentially a proposal to reclaim our homes as, as places of contemplative reflection, as, as places of substantive conversation. So the hope is that we can connect with other people who are reading these texts, uh, thinking them through so that, so that by the end of Lent, we actually are sharing in the freedom of the children of God. We are not the bastard children of, of gadgets. We are the adopted sons and daughters of God. And to reference our earlier remarks, you know, where we are in the world right now, it's, it's about to get very noisy. Yes. And what a great time maybe to turn the volume down on that noise. Exactly. And replace it with something. The invitation that you mentioned to invite something in that isn't the noise of the world by remembering how to remember. And these, uh, these podcasts are actually not substitutes for the book. So uh, there, there's no spoiler <laughs> alert here. It's, uh, you know, each, each chapter stands on its own. One can listen to our podcasts without reading the book, I think, with, with fruitfulness. And one can actually read the book without listening to these podcasts. Uh, so it's our, our talking together is is in a sense just to be a little conversation starter uh, to help people to help people dive in. Varden is so good at just giving some some key images like the the old farmer's scarred back and certain vocabulary words that are very pregnant with meaning. So Adam, Adama, like man taken from the ground, and also humus, soil. Humilitas, humility, to be humble is to be grounded. And I, I'm, I'm just so amazed. He, he points out that God does not deliberately humiliate his children. God humbles us, which is to say God is constantly <laughs> attempting to reground us. But it's only sinful human beings who humiliate. That is to say, they, they take the place of God to, uh, you know, take people down a few notches and, and even to delight in their, in their, their weakness, their, uh, the, their misery. That, that demonic temptation needs to, to be resisted. So true humility is, is realizing who we are in the eyes of God. So you think of Mary's Magnificat, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my savior. All generations will call me blessed because the almighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. That's humility. God raises those of low degree. That's a beautiful image. Um, but what a great way to, to start the greatest Lent that we've had recently and 
you know, I, I think most of us, if we tried to answer the question, when is the last time that you had a, a conversation of consequence over something like contemplating you started as dust and you'll end that way? What a great exercise. Yes. Yes. So I, I really look forward to walking each chapter of this book with you, Chris, with all of our listeners and one conversation a week, <laughs> six chapters in the book, six weeks of Lent. And let's see where this will lead. We, we know in faith it, it ends in Easter and it, it opens up for us the, the life to come. Listeners, be sure to get out and pick up a copy of this book right away so that you can go along with us and join us as we learn so much more. As Father pointed out earlier, you can certainly listen to the podcast without purchasing a book, but I'm excited for one to, to really dig into this book and prepare for a great Lent. Why not make this Lent the best Lent ever? And that takes preparation. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of After the Homily as much as we've enjoyed bringing it to you. I hope you plan to join us regularly for future episodes. Are there topics you'd like to hear about from Father Dan? Do you have a question that you'd like answered? If so, we would love to hear from you. You can email us anytime at church at saintv.org and type After the Homily in the subject line, or you can message me directly at 260-450-450. 8878 and please start the message with after the homily thanks again for listening to after the homily with father daniel scheidt this podcast is part of the spoke street network for more great podcasts visit spokestreet.com